Amen. Sing and be happy today. Aren't you happy to be here? Aren't you happy to serve a living God who loves you? Glad to see each of you here. Glad to see all these kids. Glad to see they survived camp. I barely made it. No, I, I didn't sleep much. I had the high school boys and they tried to stay up and be silly and I just couldn't do it the last night. I just said, you know what, y'all just do whatever you want, I'm going to sleep. <laughs> whatever you want to do. Stan was asleep. I mean, everybody, all the counselors were asleep that night. But they had the basketball gym and they were good. So uh, I do want to thank the elders for their support for the camp. Uh, it was the first time we went, and it was uh, a good camp. I think there was 170-something people, kids there. Uh, that was a really good amount of kids. I, I want to thank the ones who came and helped. Um, it, it was a good time. It was a good time for the group to come together and be together and, and, and learn about the Lord, and, and uh, I'm just thankful that I got to be a part of it. So again, I'd like to say thank you to the elders, and I appreciate uh, the support for this. And, you know, I just feel so good about Fountainhead as a congregation. I feel like the Lord is blessing us, but in order for us to continue to be blessed as long as well as any uh, congregation around, there's one thing that we have to do as a people, and that is seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be added to us. Amen? When we seek the kingdom first, when we seek His glory first, then He'll add what we need. And boy, He'll add it like He knows to add it, right? Our God is a good God and a loving God, and He cares about His people. Um, I want to, again... uh, talk about forgiveness this morning, kind of a part two from last week. We had another really good class talking about forgiveness and the parable that we were talking about, and I really won't be there much today, was Matthew 18 uh, verses 21 through 35, which was talking about the unforgiving servant. But forgiveness is something that has to be a part of us if we are Christians, Ephesians 4.32 says, And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. And as I closed out last week, I left you with this quote, True forgiveness is not an action after the fact. It is an attitude with which you enter each moment. And I want to read just the end of the parable just to kind of get us back into where we were last week. Verse 35 says, So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespass is. Matthew six fourteen and 15 says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But... If you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive 
your trespasses. Think about that. If we can't forgive others, then the Lord said, I can't forgive you. So really, that's not just a big deal. That's a life or death deal. <laughs> Understanding the importance of forgiveness needs to be a part of our lives. It needs to be something that we're concerned about if we want to make heaven our home. Amen? If we want heaven to be our home, we have to forgive. We talked about last week, if we're going to be a better forgiver, then we've got to want to forgive. And if we're going to be a better forgiver, we must have compassion when we forgive. But in order to have those qualities, we must first and foremost have the heart to forgive. And that heart has to have the desire that I'm going to please the Lord no matter what. In what I do, and what I say, and how I act, I'm going to do nothing that dishonors the Lord and doesn't bring glory and honor to His name. What does He tell us? Forgive like I have forgiven you. When we think about our lives and the situations that we are faced with, and all of us face different situations, when people sin against us, how important is the act of forgiveness taken? Remember, if we don't forgive, and yes, I'm being very repetitive, if we don't forgive, God will not forgive us. The Lord's Word should be very clear and give us a very deep understanding that the way we handle forgiving others is absolutely being watched. So let's continue with the thought of forgiveness. If we have the right heart for forgiving, what are some other things that come with this act? The first thing to consider is this. We, when we forgive, we will never be able to completely forget it. When we forgive someone from the heart, whether we want to admit it or not, we do not all of a sudden, and I read this and I just wanted to say it because it sounded cool, get a case of holy amnesia and completely forget what the person has done for us. I forgive you. Oh, what, did you what is your name, by the way? It, that doesn't happen. We may have forgiven someone, but when we see that person... When their name comes up, we find ourselves doing what? Replaying exactly what has happened in our mind. How it happened, why it happened, all over again. Replay, replay, replay. And we talked about this a little bit last week. Uh, the Bible says that the Lord forgives and forgets. And isn't that what we're supposed to do? Shouldn't we be able to forget once we forgive? Jeremiah 31, 34 says, No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me. From the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. 
Isaiah 43, 25 says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. And I will not remember your sins. We see that when God sees someone has turned to righteousness, and we as New Testament Christians know that uh, we are forgiven when we've obeyed the gospel... So we need to do like the Lord and be able to forgive and forget, right? Turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 33, verses 13 through 16. I don't have time to really read before and after too much, but I do want to bring this point out. I'm so glad that there are more verses for us to give us a better understanding of God's, the way God forgives. You know, and you think about that too, that goes along with anything that you're really dealing with. If you just pick one verse out of the Bible, you're walking on dangerous water, right? Because you have to take the whole sum of God's Word to understand what His will is for our lives. Ezekiel 33. And he's talking about... In the context, he's talking about the fairness of God's judgment. Okay, and actually I'll start uh, Yeah, in verse 13. When I say to the righteous that he shall surely live, but he trusts his own righteousness and commits iniquity, none of his righteous works shall be remembered. But because of the iniquity that he has committed, he shall die. Again, when I say to the wicked... You shall surely die if he turns from his sin and does what is lawful and right. If the wicked restores the pledge, gives back what he has stolen, and walks in the statutes of life without committing iniquity, he shall surely live. He shall shall not die. None of his sins which he has committed shall be remembered against him He has done what is lawful and right. He shall surely live. If we we see that if a wicked person steals and gives back what he's stolen and then walks like he's supposed to, he shall surely live. None of his sins which he has committed shall be remembered against him. Psalm 32, 1 and 2 says... Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and whose spirit there is no deceit. The Hebrew word for impute right there means to make a judgment on, or to be held accountable for. So... Blessed is the man whom the Lord does not make a judgment on his iniquity or holds him accountable for the iniquity. When the Lord talks about remembering the sins no more, He's talking about not bringing the sin back up to haunt you later. So let's apply that to our lives. When we take the step and we say, I'm going to forgive you, Do we do like the Lord? Do we leave it in its place? When we see the person again, even though we may still be thinking about it, we don't bring it up. 
We'll never forget. And really, there's beauty in that concept. Because while I can't forget what you did to me, what it forces me to do as a child of God is to strive to never hold it against you. Think about it. If you want to be like the Lord, I have to work on really putting the wrong I forgave to the back of my mind. Most of the time we say we forgive, right? But then we still hold that sin that someone committed against us in our minds. And when we see that person, what pops up? But what we have to do if we want to be like the Lord is put that situation that has been forgiven to the back and move on in a relationship. So did I forgive you or did I not? If I forgive someone and then continue to bring up the situation to others and tell them, you remember what so-and-so did to me? Yeah, you remember how awesome it was because I forgave them. You remember that? You remember how awesome I was because I forgave them of their sin? Is that having a heart that's truly focused on forgiving? We as Christians striving to be a better forgiver should know that while we can't forget, we must put it away. We must move on and not let that have control over our lives. You know, when Aaron sins against me, I forgive her. And then if we have a situation that comes up, what would be the easiest way for me to win the fight? Aaron doesn't really sin against me a whole bunch. I just is going to use that because I, it's usually the other way, but I'm up here preaching, so I'm telling the story, okay? All right? Just get that straightened out. But when we're in a fight or we're fussing or whatever you call it, a disagreement, right? What's the easiest way for me to, uh, in my mind, start winning the argument? It's to bring up that thing I forgave, right? Why? Because I know that she did me wrong. She asked me for forgiveness and I forgave her. But I'm losing this fight. I'm not winning this fight and I know how I can. You remember when you did that though? You remember when you did that to me? And so what have I done? I've done exactly what I'm not supposed to do. If we're going to be a better forgiver then we have to learn self-control. Oh, this is so beautiful, brethren. Get this. And strive to make the sin we forgave lose its power on us. If we are mad at ourselves for not being able to forget the sin we've forgiven, take the burden off right now. We can and won't ever be able to forget it completely. But the beauty of this act is that we have to train ourselves to not hold it against the other person. What did Paul say in 1 Corinthians 9.27? He said, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. <laughs> huh? 
Are we disciplining our body? Disciplining. Disciplining our bodies? I said that early when I was running through it, and I said, I'll say that. Sammy, there's my word. Bringing it into subjection, understanding that the word tells us how to do it, and then we do it. This is something that can only happen, it can only happen if we have the desire and the right heart to forgive. We have to deal with it daily. I know we do. And as we work through not holding the sins we have forgiven against the person, what we truly are doing is striving to be like God, the Almighty King. I said it last week, nothing breathes God more than a forgiving heart. Nothing. The second thing to consider, when we forgive, it doesn't immediately take away the pain. Sometimes we make it up in our mind that if I forgive someone, I'll not only forget it, but it'll heal the wound that I received from the situation immediately. I, heard, I read this quote and I thought it was really good. Forgiveness has many layers. Many seasons, the important part of forgiveness, though, is to begin and continue. The finishing of it is a life work. It may take years to get over something that people have done to you. It may take a lifetime, seriously, to get over what people have said or done. People are hateful. People are disrespectful. People are low down, right? Pain is something that hurts. It makes us hold on to things. Because when we hear this, the name of the person or, or about the situation, what does it do? It makes us go back to that feeling of hurt. It makes us go back to that frustration. It makes us go back to that anger, that embarrassment, that revenge. Brethren, we've got to make it our mission to not sin against each other. And when we do, when we do, be tough enough not to blame someone else, but to say, no, that's my fault, and I'm sorry. That's my fault. Uh, you know, we heard at camp uh, the last day, uh, the boy Andrew Spivey, the youth minister at uh, Nashville Road, he said a uh, really good comment about uh, you know, in the garden, when God talked to Adam, what did Adam do? Blamed Eve. And then when God talked to Eve, what did Eve do? Blamed Satan. A straight up blame game. Didn't admit what they had done. We do things to each other and sin against each other and hurt each other to the point, to the point that we can't even spiritually grow because we're stuck in this state of sorrow, of discouragement, of frustration. While forgiving may not take the pain away immediately, 
we know the Lord tells us to do it. Amen? And He also tells us something else. Psalms, Psalm 147.3 says, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. When we get cut and we put an ointment on and a band-aid, it doesn't immediately heal, does it? The Lord is with us when we hurt or trying to work through the pain of what people have done to us. Again, God's Word gives us what we need to see and how to get through it. But so many times when we run into these tough situations, we run so far away from God that we lose sight of the way to fix it. He says, draw close to me and I'll draw close to you. Draw close to me and I'll draw close to you. 1 Peter 5.10 says, But may the God of all grace who called us to His eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. When we see the person that we have forgiven and the pain is still there, don't feel like you failed. Wounds take time to heal. But remember, they'll heal. Your prayer should be, Father, allow me to be able to overcome this pain I feel with so-and-so. Please allow me to be like you and not count what I have forgiven against this person. When you're down, trust in the Lord. When you're happy, trust in the Lord. When you're anything, trust in the Lord. Amen? Proverbs 4, 20 and 22 says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Working through pain is a Christian's way to see spiritual growth. Romans 8.18 For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Pain in this life seems at the time so long, but again, it's a vapor. Huh? And eternity is what? Forever. When we give, when we forgive, sometimes the pain doesn't go away immediately. And it may not go away for a while. It may not go away ever. But the Bible says... If we don't forgive, our Father will not forgive us. It's a powerful thought. Powerful. My third and final point. When we forgive with the right heart, we are truly shining light and bearing fruit. Really. Shining light and bearing fruit. 
When people see situations in your life and they see how you handle them and you handle them according to God's will, what does that show? Glory and honor to the king. You know, the king of kings who's on the throne, who's sitting and watching us and loves us and wants us to do things. Uh, Remember, we're ambassadors for him. We're direct representatives of him in the way that we act and carry ourselves. You know, and you think about the world. Think about what the world says about forgiveness. What goes around comes around. I wouldn't forgive them because they're just going to go do it again. (laughs) Really? They don't deserve to be forgiven. Let them suffer and then let them think about what they did. And then maybe you can forgive them. Boy, if we aren't careful, we become the judges and become like a Pharisee, huh? Become a Pharisee real quick. And we all know what Jesus thought about a Pharisee, huh? Whitewashed tombs. Clean on the outside, but full of dead man's bones. I don't want to be that type. I don't want Jesus to think of that, of me like that. Is the Lord like that? Does He make us wait it out before we can be forgiven? I think of several verses. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Why did He love the world? Because He was ready to forgive them. Turn with me to Romans chapter 5, verses 6 and 11. I think of 1 John 1.9 The blessings that come in Christ... If we confess our sins, and I use it all the time, but boy, it's such a powerful and comforting verse for me, brethren. If I confess my sins to the Lord, guess what? He is faithful and just to forgive me of my sins. And not only forgive me, but cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I'm about done. Hang with me just for a minute. I'm about done. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love towards us, and while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. A lot of the times you can forgive somebody, but you're not reconciled. God not only is going to forgive you, but He's going to make a way for you to be reconciled to Him. You're talking about an awesome God. An awesome God. God has made every way possible for us to be able to receive forgiveness. But then it falls on us to see if we will be willing to ask for it. Just like when you're asking for forgiveness, two brothers should be able, if I've sinned against you, I should come to you and say, look man, I sinned against you. And we should be able to talk it out. 
And if I did, then I need to ask for forgiveness. But you have to live your life in such a way that you present it and it's allowed for them to come. The question then becomes, are we making every opportunity to allow others to ask for forgiveness and then receive it? Or are we putting up barriers? Are we putting up barriers that they got to dodge and move around? Are we making it difficult? And I'm not saying don't be cautious. But what did he say? If your brother comes to you and, and, and repents, you forgive him. And then what? If he comes again and repents, guess what? You forgive him. You forgive him. You forgive him. God said, I'm faithful and just to forgive you every time you sin when you come to me. Oh, brethren, you're talking about changing people's lives, making people understand what the kingdom is about. That's, this is it. I close with two people I want to talk about really quick. Stephen, one of the original six in Acts, helping the apostles out, right? He ends up having to go in front of the council, the high priest, because these uh, folks in the synagogue were upset because they couldn't hang with him. Stephen was preaching that truth and they didn't know what to do with it. They couldn't handle it. And so he goes in front of the, the high priest and he preaches a sermon and at the end of the sermon, basically what he tells them is they resisted the Holy Spirit just as their fathers did and they killed the just one. When they heard that, they gnashed their teeth at him and they were so mad. They cast him out of the city. They threw their coats to Paul, named Saul, and they stoned him. And in Acts 7, 59 and 60, it says, And, and they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice. Yeah, it makes me emotional. Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Turn with me to Luke. To Luke 23. Luke 23. Verses 33 and 30 to 38. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified Him. And the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Now listen to this. And they divided His garments and cast lots. And the people stood looking on. But even the rulers with them sneered, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. The soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine and saying, If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. An inscription also was written over him in, in letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. How disrespectful is that? You're talking about some people saying some terrible things about our God, man. Our Savior. 
Two instances. One from a man and one from our Lord. Having the mindset, even in the most difficult situations, crying out and asking the Lord to forgive these people. Here's the question. How's our heart when it comes to the act of forgiveness? Is it really something that we think is a big deal? Even with rocks being thrown at him, Stephen had the heart of forgiveness on his mind. Jesus pinned on a cross for something he didn't even do. Bleeding and suffering, hearing a bunch of smart remarks. We're talking about God Almighty. I leave you with this. True forgiveness is not an action after the fact. It is an attitude with which you enter each moment. I hope that you will, despite the struggles that come with the act of forgiveness, understand that it is something we have to do or our Father will not forgive us. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? You may be here and, and you need forgiveness. Maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you need to come uh, to the knowledge of the truth. Well, here's the truth. Jesus loves you. And guess what? He wants to forgive you. He says, come to me all you are, who are heavy laden and I'll give you rest. And that comes through obedience of the gospel. Believing who Jesus was. Believing what He did on the cross. Believing that He came and He died and He was buried. By being willing to repent, Jesus said, unless you repent, you'll all perish. Being willing to turn from your sins and turn towards Him. Turn away from sin, turn towards God. And being able to confess in front of people. You know, it made me so happy... Uh, with Alyssa standing right here confessing with the people around that she believed that Jesus was the Son of God. Amen? Don't you believe that? And then being baptized in water, not the magical water back here, being obedient and doing the exact thing that Jesus Christ did, died, buried, and rose again. And when we do that, the Bible says that our sins have been washed away because we've made that clear and good conscience with God Almighty that we want to be His kid. If you need to obey the gospel and you need to become a child of God, come right now together we stand and sing.